Romans chapter 6 and verse 14. For sin, sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under law, but under grace. Sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under law, but under grace. Father, we love you. We praise you. We glorify you. And we bless you. We thank you, as always, for your blessed holy word and the anointing upon it. We thank you, Father, for our ears to hear it, our hearts to receive it, our minds to be open to the glorious light of it. Thank you, as always, for utterance in the Holy Spirit for all of us to proclaim the truth of your word that makes people free. We thank you, Father, for spiritual freedom in a free country where we're free to speak, teach, pray, and praise your word without fear of retribution or reprisal. We thank you, Father, that our speech and teaching aren't with enticing words of man's wisdom and in demonstration of your spirit and power that our faith doesn't stand in the wisdom of men but in your power the power of the living god we thank you father we don't need any man to teach us we're taught by the holy spirit directly from your heart we thank you for for your heart and your mind on the subject we thank you father we have the mind of christ we honor you today as we study your word and we receive revelation, heart knowledge of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, some things that are disturbing, you know, in this time that we live, some, some people, and, you know, I, I don't think harmfully, they're meaning, meaning harmfully, uh, their meaning is harmfully, but some teach a freedom that is extremely dangerous at some points and, and not dangerous because we want to be kept in bondage but dangerous to believers that are young in the Lord and impressionable uh, a lot of people I know when uh, when we were at Ramah they taught us they told us you know that uh, young people in the Lord are not not just young in age but young people in the Lord are like baby birds you know they've got their mouths open all the time wanting their mothers to put food in there and, and uh, impressionable young Christians are the same way where they're hungry they're like sponges they soak everything up and some sometimes people will mislead them and we have to study that's why we're told to study to show ourselves approved unto God workmen that need not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth we know that it's work to study it's work to to set aside time it you know takes time and effort it takes especially effort if you're tired everybody has a full schedule uh, the, the day and age that we live everybody everybody's schedule is full there's no such thing as being bored anymore that word should be taken out of the dictionary there's no time to be bored if somebody is bored then there's you know they're, they're not thinking of things to do they're just sitting being bored well there's no time for that nowadays there's just flat out no time we're not in a day and age that we can be bored there's just too much that we have to do well one of the things we have to do is study the word of God and we have to understand it from a standpoint that God wants us to see it and there's a lot like I said there's a lot of well-meaning teachers out there but the best thing is let the Holy Spirit teach you I know in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, we see something here that's vitally important. Paul, of course, teaching and talking to a young minister. And, and you know, we, we've studied this before and we've looked at it. But it says, Now the Spirit expressly 
That word expressly, it means explicitly. Right to the point, expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Now, I know that nobody here would ever do that, but it says, and here's the explanation for that, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Now, you can look at that scripture however you want to, but forbidding to marry, uh, you know, that, that might be a doctrine, a well-known doctrine that you know of certain, uh, you know, certain teaching. Or it might be just people don't want to get married anymore. You see this every day. People living together. Cohabiting. Just like a family, only the mother and the father don't have the same last name. That ought not so to be, like one scripture says. It ought not so to be. That's not the way it was designed. Well, but, but you see it every day, and you see these people, and I see these people every day, and they're just like, quote-unquote, normal people, whatever that is. You know, we're all normal, I guess, to a certain extent. But they're, you know, you, they just live a life, and then, you know, but they're not, they're not married. They're not a household unit. Forbidding to marry. Commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Every creature of God is good. Nothing to be refused if it's received with thanksgiving. For it's sanctified by the word of God and prayer. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. He's telling Timothy, instruct him in the doctrine that you've carefully followed. But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. Exercise yourself toward godliness. How many of you know that exercise is effort? It's work. Exercise yourself toward godliness. I don't mean that you have to go out of your way to look godly and act godly and speak godly, but we should exercise us ourselves toward that. It's a heart thing. Too many people try to make it an outward thing, but it's, a, it's in our heart. It's got to be there. You know, I, I've, we've watched some of these reality shows where they take a, a specific religion and they follow these people and, they, and basically they, they go to the extreme on every area. But these are outward shows of something that is not an inward work. Like baptism, water baptism is an outward show of an inward work of grace. Water baptism does not save you. It's an inward work of grace that saves you. For by grace are you saved through faith. But some people have put these things into a, such a religion, you know, that you have to dress a certain way, wear your hair a certain way, you know, drive a certain color vehicle or don't drive a vehicle. 
You know, these are religious shows. It says, Re reject profane and old wise fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little. And that's not talking about necessarily going to the gym every day. Bodily exercise is anything that you do. Profits a little. But godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. It's here on this earth. You know, Jesus came that you'd have life, have it more abundantly. Life here and eternity. The life that now is and of that which is to come. Godliness is a promise of that. That is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. For to this end we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. These things command and teach. He's telling a young minister to command and teach these things. Command and teach them. Godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. We're not here just to put on an act and wait and go on to eternity. We're here to accomplish something. And it's true. Sin has no dominion over us. But being under grace is not a license to sin. You know, we've heard it taught. You've heard it taught. I heard people say it. I've heard people say it. You know, one factory I used to work in in Pennsylvania many years ago. Many years ago. This is before we even had children. There was a guy there that was... He'd made an enemy of everyone in the shop. Why? Because he... Wanted to push off religion on everybody. I'm not talking Christianity. He thought it was Christianity. But he, all he would do was tell everybody else how wrong they were. How they needed to get saved. But the first thing anyone, any time, yeah, first time anything went wrong with the machine that he was running, he'd start pounding his fist and cursing. So he was a bad example. But he said that didn't pertain to him, though. You know, none of that stuff pertained to him because he was under the blood. Well, that's misleading teaching, isn't it? If we're born again, we are under the blood of Jesus. You know, Jesus, the resurrection, and our life in victory. But that does not give us a license to go around and sin. Why? Because we're going to go to hell? No. Because we're not honoring God. I heard Brother Womack say that on Wednesday night. He was right up here on the wall, just like that scripture is, in DVD form. He said, you're not going to go to hell the first time you sin. And, and people don't understand that. They hear that and say, well, whew, whew, I got her made now. I can lie, cheat, steal, do anything I want. I'm under the blood. Be careful with that. Yes, you are under the blood. And any sin that you commit was and is... But look at Romans chapter 6. We're going to backtrack a little bit from our text. We just have to be careful with this. If we're going to honor God with our lives, now we're going to make mistakes. I don't know about you. I made one three weeks ago. 
and a, and a few since then. <laughs> but we're, we're human. We, we're in the world. We're not of it. We live in these physical bodies. Romans chapter 6, verse 5. For if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Thank God. But don't stop there. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has lived, li has been freed from sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Reckon there means consider. Like, likewise, you also consider yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. There's no doubt in my mind that when we were born again, we died to sin. But, he goes on to say here, don't let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. We all know what the book of James says about that about sin we've been over it and over it but look on here do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin or weapons of, of unrighteousness to sin but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God for sin shall not have dominion over you for you're not under law, but under grace. Thank God. Don't stop there. The next verse. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under law, but under grace? Certainly not. Don't beat the table and curse. Well, I'm under the blood. I'm under grace. Certainly not, it says here. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you're that one slaves who you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart. From the heart. Thank God he added that. That form of doctrine to which you were delivered or entrusted. Obeyed in the Greek Hupakuo, Strong's 52.19, to hear as a subordinate, listen attentively, obey as a subject, answer and respond, submit without reservation. Hupakuo was used particularly of servants who were attentive to the requests made of them and who complied. The word thus contains the ideas of hearing, responding, and obeying. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine. 
to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. And when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin, having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness. Your fruit to holiness. It doesn't say your clothing or your makeup or kind of car you drive. You have your fruit to holiness or unto sanctification. In the end, everlasting life. For, now get this. If you never get anything else, get this. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wages are something you earn. The wages of sin is death. But the gift is not something you earn. The gift of God is eternal life. And that's a free gift. Not a gift that you get for buying a magazine subscription or anything else. It's a free gift. I like the way this, this author, this Spiritual Life Bible wrote this. He's talking here about godliness and moral purity. He says, It has been said that sin is first pleasing, then easy, then delightful, then frequent, and then habitual. Pleasing, easy, delightful, frequent, and habitual. The person then becomes a confirmed sinner, then obstinate, then resolved never to repent, and then he is ruined. I think of Brother Hagin giving the testimony about his brother-in-law. He knew he was in sin. He was cheating on his wife, left his children, went with another woman, but he wasn't going to change. man was called to the ministry. Obstinate, Resolved never to repent and ruined. A wage was a ration or stipend originally associated with a soldier in military service. Today it means payment for work done or recompense. All of us know that, right? This passage infers that sin is work. The wages of sin is death. It is toil or labor for hire. Sin is a battle against godliness. It brings dominance by a satanic overlord. Sin is a slave-driving taskmaster that demands total commitment and ultimate death. The word gift in the Greek is charisma, suggests a divine gratuity that is deliverance from danger or passion. Specifically, it's a spiritual endowment. Objectively, it is a miraculous faculty. It's divine influence upon your heart and its reflection in your life. Sin works you, but righteousness rewards you. God gives us the ability to choose His grace or the wages of sin. I thought that was well put. Gives us the ability to choose. Doesn't hold a gun to our head and tell us to choose. Or to look at somebody else who's yapping at you, telling you that you're living, telling you that you're living incorrectly. Not according to the word of God. But 
looks at your heart. God gives us the ability to choose His grace or the wages of sin. And I've heard it taught too. That we, you know, you, you don't have to, to confess your sins. You don't have to ask for forgiveness from God. You're a Christian. You're under grace. Well, study it. Study it out. Study it hard. Look at 1 John chapter 1. For heaven's sake, don't take my word for anything. Don't take somebody else's word. Whether they're on television or whether they're on the radio. I don't know if anybody's ever on the radio anymore. Does radio even still exist? I mean, with the internet. I know there's internet radio, podcasts, and all the other stuff. But don't listen to somebody just because somebody said it. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from Him, capital Him, and declare to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Christ. <clears throat> His Son cleanses us from all sin. Cleanses us from all sin. When? If we walk in the light and we have fellowship. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So we need to go around like some people and say, yeah, I'm a sinner. No, you were. I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. No, if you're an old sinner, you're not saved by grace yet. You're, you were an old sinner, or a young one, and you have been saved by grace. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth isn't in us. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. My little children... Chapter 2, my little children, my little children, he says, I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Not for ours only, but for those ones that are out there. That indicates to me, and I don't know about you, study it out. I've heard it taught different ways. Study it out. But I believe he's talking to Christians there. And if you look at the first part of this, you know, he's talking, uh, he, he, he talks about my little children and he's, he's writing it as he's writing to us. Now by this we know we, we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says I know him does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Well, we've got to look back at the Ten Commandments. No, Jesus said a new commandment I give you. You love one another. His commandments, his word. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know we're in him. And of course we know perfected is that word teleo. And we see teleos too. Complete, 
accomplish, carry through to the end, bring to a successful conclusion, and reach a goal and fulfill. Whoever keeps his word, the love of God is perfected. He's reached his goal in him. By this we know we're in him. And a lot of people will teach that you don't have to confess every sin and you don't have to go back and ask forgiveness if you're wronged well that's true what if you wrong somebody back in high school and some of you are still in high school what if you wrong somebody a long time ago and they're they've gone on to be with the lord what are you going to do you can't backtrack your entire life That's impossible. But we know our hearts when we sin. We know our hearts, right? We know in our hearts, rather, we've sinned. Just as you make a mistake at work, you make a mistake at home or in school. You make a mistake on a quiz or a test, you get a little check mark there, right? You know. Somebody, and you get a check in your spirit if you make a mistake, you know, if you've sinned. What, what is the problem with asking God for forgiveness if, you know, if you know you've sinned? Lord, forgive me. You know, I, I forgot to do something. I, there's an error of omission. There's an error of commission. As long as we live in this world, we're going to commit both. We're going to make some mistakes. Just limit them and continue to move on in righteousness. I mean, we ask men for forgiveness, don't we? What's wrong with asking God? Look at 1 John chapter 3 again. We're in 1 John. Look at chapter 3 and verse 18. Here he is again, my little children. Let us not love in word, in tongue, but in deed and in truth. By this we know we're of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Thank God. Thank God he does. If your heart's condemning you about something, what's stopping you? Just, Lord, forgive me for that. Some people tell you you don't have to do that. Don't do it if you don't want to. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. Some people wrong, you know, their spouse or their friends or whatever, and they don't ask for forgiveness at times. Then their heart's hardened. Whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandments. Thank God for his word. We can live in it. Like I said, why wouldn't you want to ask God to forgive you? We ask men, at least some of us do. If we're to reign in life, and the Bible instructs us to, Romans chapter 5, make no mistake, we're under grace. But it's not a matter of being good enough if you're worried about being good enough, you haven't read uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we'd be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 
So we are that when we're born again. We're under grace. We don't have to be good enough. We're already good enough. But look at this. Verse 12, Romans chapter 5. Therefore, just as the one, through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, thus death spread to all men because all sin, for un, until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of, of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. The judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace, abundance of grace, and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life, reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. We're to reign. And we're under grace for reasons that we all know. There shouldn't be an argument. We're under it for forgiveness. For life. We've just seen that. To be examples. To those without. And to honor God. We need to honor him with our lives. And we're not honoring him if we're living in sin. Look at 1 Samuel. Chapter 2 verse 30. This is an interesting scripture. We can just pull it right out. It says, Therefore the Lord God of Israel says, I, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now, the Lord says, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. Those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Lightly esteemed. Well, is that talking about Sinners and believers, or you know, believers and unbelievers, or no, he honors those who honor him. It's as simple as that. He'll never forget, never forget the seeds of loyalty that you sow. You're gonna have a chance to back away, every one of you. Some sometimes not as obvious as others. Deception enters in there. Look at the prophet Malachi has something to say about this. The Spirit of the Lord through the prophet Malachi, I should say. Chapter 3. Verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name or esteem 
That word meditate there isn't like we, we're thinking of Old Testament meditation, muttering. Esteem his, on his name. They, they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. On the day I make them my jewels, that means special treasure, the day that I make them my special treasure, and I will spare them. A man spares his own son who serves him. God honors those who honor him. You've all seen this and you've seen the opposite effect. Maybe not in your life, but in, in others. He's going to give back to you that honor through abundant harvest. So how do we honor? How do we do it? The old double L. With our life and our lips. Our life and our lips. Jesus said he came that we'd have more, would have life and have it more abundantly. More abundant life. Our loyalty has to be to the Lord. You know, you can read through the entire 6th chapter of Matthew. We won't do that because we've read a lot of scripture already. But, and find out what he's talking about. But in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, we know this one. We've all got this buried in our hearts. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all the above things that are mentioned in that, from, from verse 24 on, will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's living a life of honor to God. He's not going to forget it. He's not going to forget that in the heat of battle, you didn't cut and run. You didn't say, well, this faith stuff doesn't work. You know, get me back to where I was before. You know, some people have done that. It happens every day. You know, I tried to pray. I tried to believe God. Just didn't work. Psalm 61. We'll close with this. It's, we'll read the whole thing. It's a short one. It's only 62 verses. No, it's, it's only 7 verses. 8. It's to the chief musician on a stringed instrument, a psalm of David. Hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I'll cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. <clears throat> for you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I'll trust in the shelter of your wings. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. You'll prolong the king's life. His years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. O prepare mercy and truth, which may preserve him. So I will sing praise to your name forever. Then I may daily perform my vows. You'll never forget... When you honor him. We saw what it said in Malachi. 
be a jewel, precious treasure. You didn't submit to sin, you submit to Him. Made up your mind that nothing is more important than honoring Him with your life and your lips. And we saw it right there in First Timothy. The life that now is and that which is in the life that is to come. Godliness is profitable. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added. Now we don't honor Him in our spare time or just when everything else is done and out of the way. We, we lead a life honoring Him. It takes effort. Salvation is free. But it takes effort to move forward. Study to show yourself approved. Workmen that need not be ashamed. Rightly dividing. The wages of sin is death. It takes effort to sin. It takes more effort to honor God. It's up to us not to be lazy. Life now and for eternity depend on it. Father, we love you. We praise you and we honor you. We extol you, we exalt you, and we bless you. Thank you, Father, for forgiving us. Thank you that we're under grace. We're under the blood of Jesus. We're born again. Spirit-filled, faith-walking, tongue-talking, armor-wearing children of the King. Thank you for forgiving us from errors of omission and commission. We know. We know when it happens. We'll never say that it doesn't. But you forgive us for it. According to your word. You said in your word that you're faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So thank you for cleansing us. Thank you for filling us. Thank you that we're continually filled with your spirit. Thank you. Thank you for Jesus' statement in John 10.10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you have life and have it more abundantly. We thank you for that more abundant life. Super abundant life, Father. Because we honor you. We honor you with our hearts. We make every effort in the flesh. We want to be pleasing to you in the flesh. We want to be prosperous, giving, loving. We want anything that we do in the flesh to be an outward show of an inward work of grace. Not a fake, not a put on, not a legalistic thing, but something that's from our heart. A heart of love as your heart. And we worship you in spirit and truth. For you seek such to worship you. For you are spirit. And those that worship you will worship you in spirit and truth. That's what Jesus said. That's what the word says. So Father we love you. We praise you. We thank you and we bless you. Thank you for the privilege of serving you. The privilege of being your vessels upon this earth. And when we don't look like it Father... You check us on it. Change us as you see fit. 
we're open. Thank you again, Father. We praise you and thank you and bless you. Thank you for a clean slate. The day we were born again and today. Thank you for that privilege. We look forward to eternity, but we know that godliness is profitable now too. We see it in your word. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Shall we stand?